Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Morgan Siobhan Green. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, she made her Broadway debut in Be More Chill where she understudied four different characters, portrayed the character Pip and Moby Dick at American Repertory Theater, and is now on the North American tour of Town as Eurydice. Please welcome Morgan Shabon Green. How have you been? This past, like, two years has kind of been a whirlwind. And, uh, I mean, it's been crazy. Theater shut down. How did you deal with that in no life theater for a while? In all honesty, I feel that the break was necessary because I feel like a lot of theater artists really romanticize the grind of trying to get work and not getting work and getting close to getting work and I feel like a lot of people romanticize that and not you know taking care of yourself and taking breaks and you know exercising the power to say no I feel the break was needed I don't think I would have I did actually take a break after doing Moby Dick at ART I was supposed to do a show at second stage. And so I decided not to take any work between um, beginning of January until March. And then of course the pandemic happened. And yeah, I just learned throughout those two years that you know your best art and your best self comes from taking care of yourself. And you know, to release this idea that it's all about like being so busy all the time. I mean, if it's not feeding you and it's not making you a good artist, a great artist or a stronger growing artist, then like sometimes those breaks are necessary. I mean, it's so true. And I feel like a lot of people who are in this craft specifically, they get to see like family members less than they want to. 100%. Because they are pushing to like keep going and make and be as busy as possible eight show weeks like got to get through them and like you hold yourself to that you're like I need to get through with this eight show week and you don't even like it's like second nature how ridiculous an eight show week is like how crazy that is it's insane actually crazy (laughs) yeah in absolute insanity So have you always known that you wanted to be a theater performer? And when was the moment you realized you wanted to be a theater performer? No, I did not always know this. I was always interested in medicine. I was going to be a communications professor right after undergrad. Um, I grew up in a Montessori program and so arts in our particular school was mandatory, which I thought was really cool that everyone had to participate in the plays and the musicals. And it was just like part of our curriculum that we would read plays. And I always had a sense of respect for it, of how it gave you the opportunity to speak and just get up in front of people and collaborate. And those are are all skills that you need in pretty much any job. And I did it in high school and my high school kind of took it seriously in a sense, like it was a very small program, but they took the competitions that were available in the state seriously and the materials that they would use very seriously as well. And then when I went to college, I was a biology major for truly three days. (laughs) And it definitely was something that I could have done, but I was just like, it's so early in the game for me to not find this interesting So I made theater my primary major. I picked up a marketing minor and I started participating in competitive speaking in my school and my school had the best competitive speaking team in the nation. And there were acting events that you would take from books and plays and events where you could combine tweets and monologues and just like everything had a argument that really focus on the intentionality and the necessity of like what you were speaking about and the viewpoints from which they were told. And 
it really was the most I had ever read um, performative literature. And from that, that's how I kind of got into possibly becoming a communications professor because I was successful after competing in that in only two years. And ironically, all of those jobs kind of fell by the wayside, except for one random acceptance to a grad school out in Long Island. Hence, the only reason I moved to New York was because I kind of had that incubation of school, um, diversity and pedagogy. And so I ended up staying out in New York post-grad school and I still continue. I did this more so around when I first graduated, but I would ghostwrite scripts for competitors that were still in the undergrad under um, pen names. So no one knows what I've written and who it's been for, but yeah, I, that was kind of like my side thing. And from there, I kind of just fell into auditioning, doing fun stuff with up and coming directors and playwrights. And that kind of helped me segue into doing more recognizable commercial projects. So you're like, I don't even know, like quadruply talented. You have many, many talents. Um, that's all subjective. I can honestly say that doing speech from a theater background really helped me excel because speech is very formulaic. A lot of the times people study who's been successful at it and then they just try to reinvent that wheel. And I kind of approach speech as every speech is different, hence every voice is different, hence every approach has to be different. And because of that, I really think my success really stemmed from me doing the work that each character I portrayed needed in order for me to be like a fully fledged person in every speech that I gave. Um, and so you're seeing there are a lot of people that have come out of speech that are really venturing out into theater and TV and, and film and all those different performative venues. But even like speech alone is, is very different from theater and film. Like it's mostly with the, with the exception of one event, it's you performing by yourself. So you have creative control over the material, how you present it. And theater is a, it is a big fellowship. It's all types of people trying to learn one language to bring a story together. And so they are definitely very different, but there's something beneficial about either going from speech to theater film or theater film to speech that I, that I found. So I want to know, when did you realize that you could sing? and that you could combine singing with acting. You know, what's really strange is I was actually talking to someone the other day and I said, I'm very curious how my voice sounds. And I say that because I do like singing sometimes, but the thing I like about musical theater, good musical theater is that you're singing as someone else. So in retrospect, when you're singing as different characters, I hold the belief that they shouldn't sound the same, you know? So I was like listening to myself, like when I was Christine Canigula, she sounds nothing like when I played Pip in Moby Dick, who sounds nothing like me as Eurydice. And whoever I play next will probably not sound anything like Eurydice. And there's something freeing and liberating about that like your voice and your vessel lends life to these characters, but they also like don't have to sound the same, which I feel like a lot of musical theater is. It's just like one person sounds the same on everything. So we're like excited to hear them sing this part, but as the voice that we've always heard versus the interpretation you know, of like the actual character. So to circle back to your <laughs> question, I didn't really like set out to be a musical theater artist in any sense. Like I really enjoy, enjoy plays because I feel that in our industry, people really focus on the words more and versus just like how it sounds and versus like, let's make this 11 o'clock number and then like, let's write this book. And so I feel like I've really started to invest in that by doing new works in New York because people don't know what that sounds like yet. So I felt more freed as an artist to come in and bring myself versus 
being compared. So what? When did I find out I can sing? I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> like there's some people that probably think I can really sing, and some people that think that I cannot at all. Um, but I do enjoy what I believe musical theater is hopefully gearing towards, which is like an invitation to sound like yourself. I mean, it's very true because every character is so different. Like, I mean, I feel like people almost think that like, for example, Alpha and Jenna and Waitress are like very like, or like roles that like the same type of people play, but like they're such different characters. So even if the same person is playing the character, then it does sound different. It should. Yeah, and it needs to. Yeah. Because it's not the same show. It's not right. the same story. So you made your Broadway debut with Be More Chill. And I did notice that you do a lot of original work. I noticed on your resume. You made your Broadway debut with Be More Chill, where you understudied four different characters I saw. I don't know if it was it. That's just insane. So what was your audition process like for Be More Chill? And when you were auditioning, did you know you were going to have the responsibility to understudy four different characters? So my audition process for Be More Chill is actually interesting. I actually have the sticky note for my final callback in the room over there. Um, so I auditioned for it off Broadway. Um, for the same position and I didn't get it and the period of time between auditioning for that and then the Broadway transfer was a very like important time for me because I really feel like I started to come into self like I don't know if I I think I've done one audition since then where I wore a dress um and like heels and I really made a big stink about it because I was requested to wear them and I was just like I that's annoying um and so when I did my final callback for it, it was the same position. And the final, final callback was on my birthday, actually. And I just remember having no filter. Um, and it was just like a really great creative team to like not have a filter because they love people. They, they, they love you. They want to get to know people as like future collab people to bring, you know what I mean? Bring in beyond the project. And so walked in and I just remember that weird liminality of like fall and summer and I remember Stephen Brackett asking me how are you today and I literally went I don't know and I was like I, and it's cold outside so like what do you wear when it's all things and everything outside and when this long diatribe about how inconveniencing that like global warming has become to like clothing like not knowing what to wear um and then I just like sang the songs and I just made choices and I went to a dance call and, and I was like I can't dance but I was like but I'll go and in the dance call I know what we're doing like you need to do that again um and then I waited for a while maybe like three months um and then they let me know maybe maybe two months I think it was two months and so they let me know um and they were like oh we knew we, we wanted you when you auditioned we were just trying to figure out who's going to be dance captain and I was like well I couldn't touch you there and then that you weren't going to um but it was definitely a freeing experience because it's such a unique show and it's such a very strange odd cast you know and so it was like a great way to have a visible introduction into the industry by like not doing something classic that people have a huge stigma about that you know like yeah I'm pretty weird and that's fine and that's great and I got to be, I got paid to be weird um and I'm continuing to get paid to be weird which is interesting because I feel like a lot of people in our industry complain about not being encouraged to be individuals and the reality is is like no one's going to encourage you to be individual you just have to be one yeah. Like it's your job to be you every day. And if you compromise that, then like you have to have a conversation with yourself about why you don't feel comfortable being yourself. Um, and so I think that that I'm grateful for all of the no's up to that point because 
it really gave me an opportunity to solidify what type of artist and person that I want to be versus like trying to rebrand myself as that person later on after I figured out what I like or dislike you know it gave me that that pillow that that buffer that time to really realize that like I like doing new work or I like doing work that's existed before but I'm allowed to bring myself and if I can't bring that then I know that I'm like not I'm not going to be happy um and I have the right to say no in those types of situations yeah like I mean even if people are like you should do this show you can be like am am I gonna get the opportunity to make it my own really 100 percent 100 percent I mean, the magic of life theater is making a role that exists your own if you can and having the freedom. Yeah. So Be More Chill had sort of like a cult following among fans. Did you know, like, were you expecting that when you stepped into the show? Honestly, I hadn't seen the show. I have like a very strange relationships with doing shows that exist. Um, so the only shows that I think I've done since moving to New York that like have existed already are Be More Chill in Hadestown. Did not see Be More Chill before I booked it. Did not see Hadestown before I booked it. So I didn't really know how huge it was. I think I remember like the day they announced the casting for Be More Chill. I got like a thousand followers that day like immediately I had done absolutely nothing there's like pressure that people know what they like they know what they want I even feel the same way with Haiti sound like people know what they like they know what they want and again you have to be careful what you ask for like if you ask and you want to be an individual you want to be a trendsetter you want to be yourself you're not just going to get opportunities to do that you're going to feel the pressure to conform and so you have to stick your feet down and bunker down and decide like, I don't care what people like or what people want. I'm trying to tell this story and I'm trying to tell it this way. And this is what I feel like I bring to the table. And so I didn't know, it didn't really affect me too much until I went on for Steph because no one had ever done that part except for Steph. And I'm obviously like a black woman and it was a lot of pressure, mostly because <laughs> I never really had a put in. Oh my goodness. A put in. I believe that day that I went on, it was a matinee and I got the call maybe like 11 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Oh. And I theater and all I did was stand downstage with Will and we did lines for like, maybe like 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, like it is. <laughs> like it is what it is yeah like I was like I'm not gonna freak out like none of you are gonna make me stress right now like I know what I know yeah what I don't know pretty quick and the funny thing that I specifically remember not remembering was when we got the smartphone hour because I had only gone on for Tiffany up to that point I remember standing off stage getting ready to make my entrance and I have a very odd gift of like photographic memory so I can like see pages I can see um video of like things that I've like recorded and I looked across stage at Gerard Canonico and I literally went like I, I think my, my face my eyes got so big because I remembered that I had only done this huge number as Jenna and like that's Jenna number right and so I went, oh, didn't think about this one. Did not think, I literally went, did not, no, no, no. And so I had to like, I don't know if you're like old enough to remember that so Raven, but I had like one of those and I was like playing the tape, like in my head of like, what a step do, what a step do, what a step do. And I looked at Gerard and I went, like, I don't know. So we like, Age, and I was just like and Gerardo and I were like pretty close at this time and I just remember like dancing and like as we were about to switch places I just like hesitantly moved and like looked at him but we like telepathically communicated um and that was like pretty that was the moment I was like oh yeah I'm like really swinging right now yeah like you gotta think how do you 
do you have a technique to memorize multiple tracks and multiple like like blocking for different characters you have to like it's different for every character in every song even if the even if the choreography is like the same for characters it's still different yeah, I think that, so I didn't know what I was doing. So I was very humble about like trying to figure out. Thankfully, again, I had done speech. So again, speech, I like was memorizing all this stuff at once. So I could like memorize text. Like text was never an issue or in music. None of that was ever like an issue for me. But I would really do in, first off, I had little notebooks for each character. So like if I ever went on for them or in understudy rehearsal, I always had them nearby. But, and I would draw blocking like football plays, um, the books. Um, but then whenever we would do rehearsal because we didn't have enough swings to cover everyone's parts, I would just play multiple people during a run. Oh my goodness. Because it would help me remember what they were all doing in context with each other. I know it sounds crazy, but it actually helped me contextualize like if I can know what everyone's doing, then if I play one person, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I mean, so technically you're probably doing a really, really like good job of me trying to be all six queens and six in my living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I could probably, and that's the thing is like when you're a good swing, like people will hi always hire you to be a swing because swinging is very, very, very hard because it's a, it's a skill set, like being able to know what everyone's doing at all times, being able to do it well, like not just know, but like perform the parts well. Um, and that was like one situation where we closed and I went up to our PSM and I said, you know, I could have gone on for anyone. And she looked at me and was like, <laughs> because I just, that's how my brain worked. My brain, I was just able to compartmentalize information. That's not to say I didn't have, er have error or mistakes, but I was just very, I was able to quickly understand, you know, stuff. I watched quick changes. Like I, I knew what I personally needed in order to succeed. And I, I mean, swings don't get enough recognition in the show. It's in these shows, it's getting better. Did you have anyone like specifically come when you were understudying these roles because they heard there was someone understudying the role on? Because I know people do that. Be More Chill was like that. I think that, especially when I went on for Steph, you know, because she had always played the part, a lot of people would come and see the show just because I was somebody doing it, just to see someone else do it. Um, I specifically remember during the Broadway blackout, maybe that was 20, yeah, 2019, everything shut down. Um, Gerard and I were on that night. And my parents, that was the show my parents saw. It was, we called it the B shows because Burn This, Beetlejuice, Us, and Beautiful. I think those were the only shows yeah. that didn't lose power. Um, and people did come. I mean, it was a cool it's a cool thing to see someone else do a part, especially when like one person has always done it. And, and the fans, like the Be More Chill community was very, for the most part, they were very supportive of that. I mean, the magic of live theater, it's just, it's just so special. Like if I lived in New York, I would go and see every understudy and every show on. Yeah, 100%. Changes this, the story, you hear stuff you've never heard before. Um, yeah, I want it 100% is. And before I get into Hades Town, which is one of my favorite shows, I want to talk about Moby Dick because you named your dog after the character you played in Moby Dick. I so did. you must have had a very special journey with that show. What, what was it like bringing a new production to life on a stage that was at as big of a house and as known of a house as ART. You know, so when I auditioned for Moby Dick, I was actually supposed to be a sailor. Um, and Pip was sort of like a metaphor, like people talked about Pip, but he actually wasn't 
physicalized in a cast member for the entire show. And so I remember we did a read through at the Natural History Museum. This is when they were doing the concerts and everyone sat at the table. And usually I feel like I'm one of the oldest people in the stuff that I do because like, I'm like five feet tall. So I'm always playing a, being a child or something. But when we sat at this table, I was clearly the youngest. And it was just so funny for me to be like Tom Nellis's sailor. Um, and so I remember running into a friend who I worked on folk wandering with. And she was like, yo, you say you were doing Moby Dick. I'm doing Moby Dick. I was like, dope. Cause I didn't know anyone. So I was like, who are you playing? She's like, sailor too. And I was like, can't be I'm saying she's like oh. no like no no and so I called my manager I was like did I just get fired and like I had just found out that be more chill was closing so I was like <laughs> did I <laughs> what's gonna um and so Dave and Rachel emailed me to say hey we decided to make Pip an actual character on the ship so I went from a high schooler to like an eight and a half year old boy very quickly. Um, and it was pretty, you know, you don't know an, you don't know a rehearsal preview process until you've worked with Dave Malloy because getting a Dave Malloy song at like 12 PM and having to put <laughs> it like six is bonkers. Like it's crazy. Um, and it was three and a half hours long. It was, um, those are the types of shows that I want to do. Like I would love doing new things. I love like revisiting things that are not set that we like, you don't know what it is yet. You don't know what's working fully and what's not working. And, you know, coming out of Be More Chill and then coming into that because I met Rachel. The first time I met Rachel was, um, and it was so funny. Again, that season of my life was very important. Because I remember I auditioned for that show while I was still in Be More Chill and I didn't know Be More Chill was closing. And so I walked in and I had on overalls and a baseball cap. Um, the Tonys were like in three days. Um, and I just went in and I was like being a sailor and like just having a good old time. And then they well, Hades time won the Tonys. And then I came back for my callback. And I was like still being like a little sailor, sailor man. Um, and then I got the call maybe a few months later. And then ironically in August, before we even started rehearsals, I retweeted that Hadestown was going on a North American tour. Ooh. Because I like work. So that's pretty cool. I like share this, this tweet. Um, you kind of manifested it for yourself then. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, like, the thing of it is, is like, I hadn't seen the show. I like Rachel's mind. Like, I like how she works as a director. I like the music. And so it was just like a situation where I was like, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. It was like a freeing thing of like, this is a collaborator I enjoy. Let me just go in and play. And it was also like a reintroduction to auditioning because I had been working. I had this little break in between and I already had a job lined up for like early spring to like beginning of fall. Like I had a job. So it was like, there's any like room to like rip the bandaid off of being in front of like humans again, like this is the room. And so I found myself not taking a lot of auditions and like taking stuff that I feel like I could serve and like that were good for me. And so that, and that was one of them. So Moby Dick, I, I've seen like pictures of the set and it looked so incredible. What, like, was the set intricate and is it hard? Like, is it harder to figure out blocking and stuff with like such an intricate set where like there's an actual, there was an actual like whale on stage, right? We had a plastic whale, puppet yeah. whale. Yeah, there was a lot. I'm trying to think back. So the blocking was very intricate in that there weren't a lot of set pieces. Do you know what I mean? Like you could climb the wall in the back 
we could climb up that wall. Um, we had the place where the where the harpooners would like go and they would climb that up. We also had the little boats that came on stage when we did Stub Kizzle Whale and like audience members got in. Ooh. Yeah, if you go to YouTube and you look up Stub Kills a Whale, there's an actual like, there's some B-roll of us oh. actually with audience members in boats. Um, yeah, it was a pretty wild three hours. There were benches and boats and prop whales and whale puppets it was a lot yeah I was in a like a, a whale burrito thing I just remember hearing like so much praise about it even though like it was like a little like premiere of a musical I just remember hearing like a bunch of like wow like this show is genius like it's it's a super long show but it's genius it is. I think it is. I think it has so much potential to be something that always reflects what's presently happening in the world. And I think that that type of art takes time. And I appreciate the time that it takes to make that art. You know what I mean? That out of rushed thing, it's a let this marinate yeah. and trim and add and you know all of that type of stuff like that's the type of art that I like like the very tricky hard conversation specific types of storytelling I mean and it took Town a while to get to like get to the point it's at now so hopefully we see Moby Dick in the future on a Broadway stage or like have like a continuous long run somewhere yeah hopefully we'll see time will tell I would love to see it I would love to see it live I heard so many great things so for Hades Town, what was your audition process like you obviously knew that they wanted that they had won a Tony so how do you go in to the audition and like go oh, no pressure like the show just won a Tony like it's fine <laughs> gotta stay calm stay chill you know, here's the thing. I know this is a very like minimi minimizing thing to say, but I really try to work hard to not put people on pedestals or things on pedestals. I think that's the only way I can go in anywhere like as my full self. And so, you know, no one that's ever been, that's not ever been nominated for a Tony has ever had the opportunity to win one. True. Um, it all starts somewhere um, in that I feel like Rachel is an artist. Cause like when you think of all the people that worked on it, like these are not staunch theater people. These are people that had a message that they wanted to give out that they wanted to spread. And therefore like the Tony became a byproduct of having a specific story that you wanted to tell. It didn't start backwards. It wasn't like, we're going to win a Tony from this. It was just like, we want to tell this story and we're going to have these people tell it with us. Um, and I had just had, a, again, like an awakening in myself of just being myself and taking up space and being in rooms. And I think it all starts with what you wear. I know that that's so weird to say. But there's something about like some people feel great in dresses and heels and like a lot of makeup and they feel like powerful, and, like ready to take over the world. But those things really make me feel like a show pony um, and like out of And so I think for my second callback, I had on like an ET t-shirt and uh, and just like a knit cap and like some black, a black jumper. And I just felt great. Like I felt like I was ready to work. And I feel like that's like, you have to do what you need to do to get in the mindset of like, yes, I'm showing you what I can do, but I'm also like open and present enough to take feedback. And 
it's not just me in this role, like it's me in, an, in a rehearsal process, like me as a person, like me um, sustaining something. Like you have to, you have to prepare yourself mentally, outwardly to be present and to be a person, not like this is my rendition of living it up on top. And they stop you and go, hey, we really wanna see it like this, are you ready to like completely scratch what you've done and just like play? But if you come in and all you have to give is what you've privately prepared, then you might really miss out on an opportunity to show like how amazing of an artist you actually are. And I feel like a lot of people box themselves in that way by trying to go in and winning a role in the first one minute when there's so much other things that come into play that contribute to you being in that in that space contractually. And having seen Haiti Sound four times on Broadway, I can say that they are that they look for people who are capable of telling that story, who can get that story across. So I mean the most the like they're looking for a specific person in who comes into the audition who really cares about telling a story. 100%. So what was your reaction like when you got cast as the lead on a first national tour of a show? Did you, did you expect it? Like, or you... honestly, no, I didn't know what I expected I don't think I really like expected anything it's funny because I did the final call back the day everything hit the fan with COVID like I flew in and did it and I actually did it with Nick which is funny oh. got paired together and we did it together we did come home with me into wedding song and I don't really think I had any expectation because again I had a job so I was just like if I get it I get it if I don't you know, I don't, it doesn't change the way I feel about, you know, the work that I did, the way I feel about Rachel as a director, like none of those, you know what I mean? Like, that's just how things go. Um, but I remember, cause I was at home with my parents. I had been home maybe since early February. And I remember getting the call and then I literally ran downstairs and told my mom who would have been the first person I called anyway, but it was like kind of cool to be able to like look her and like actually tell her so. Yeah, like instead of just like, is she going to answer this FaceTime call? <laughs> right. I would have had to it until I told her. So, because I want her to be first. So, so the person who paired you and Nick, you and Nick together for that audition is like, I did it. <laughs> Magic person. I mean, it's probably what they wanted to see. Um, they probably just wanted to see how we vibed, anyways. But yeah. Really, it was really cool to just like be in a space and have another person to like work off of. And it kind of like relieves that pressure of like having to come up with energy. It's like, all you have to do is just listen, you know? And I carry up my neighbor in the hotel right now. He probably can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the rehearsal going into Town for you? Was it like, like, how did you prepare to make the character of your Eurydice your own during the rehearsal process? Because like from what from how you talk, it sounds like you like you love that challenge of making a character your own. You know, I'm like I'm a pretty weird preparer in that way. Like I'm a slow preparer. Like I try not to let anyone make me feel pressured to like do the pony show of like this is what I can do. I'm not here to do that. Like, I'm here to make sure I know what I'm doing. I, it makes sense what I'm doing. Um, I did do some like vocal training over the hiatus. Um, I think of myself as an actor first. So in the rehearsal process, we heavily focused on music, which was like very hard for me because it just takes away one of the cool things about the show I feel is that it's mostly sung which is nice but my body's involvement is like very important to me to be able to like sing the idea of me like standing and singing is like awful like I hate 
the idea of doing that. But the idea of like physically taking the journey makes sense because this gets out of the way. Like it's all about like receiving and reciprocating energy and like using my body to tell a story. Um, so like the first week was just very daunting for me because again, like we had been on a break and everyone wants to prove to each other, like, this is how I sing. And I'm like the best singer and I'm like really great at singing. And I'm like, get me to the tape on the floor so we can like start blocking this because that's going to make it make sense to me. I can honestly say that I'm still figuring things out, you know, having a month long process that goes straight into tech that goes straight into changing locations constantly really does um take a toll on you in a sense and especially coming off of a hiatus like doing five shows in three days and changing locations and you know out and all these things like they do you know impact your ability to perform like you're constantly yourself of like what do I need today I need Tylenol I need to spray my nose I need to you know so I am still figuring out what her journey is you know we're the first people to be playing these roles that hadn't played them for like you know other cast members have had the opportunity to play them in multiple iterations and have a familiarity with these characters which is like such a huge artistic endeavor like I feel like a lot of people would love to like create a character and spend multiple productions like learning them and like how to do this and how to approach this and we didn't really get to have that which happens obviously like when you do a iteration of something that exists so it definitely is a it is important to just like remind yourself of how fresh the journey like truly still is we've been only doing this for like three months in different parts of the country and yeah I like again I, I'm still learning stuff about her about myself and I really feel that rehearsal really just like started to scratch that surface of you know figuring out who she is and who I am doing that and I've heard <laughs> clips I've heard like promo pack the promo package of you singing and you're incredible, but it makes me so excited that you say you're an actress first because I like that you aren't just going on stage and trying to and just trying to like sound amazing. You're going on stage and trying to understand this character that you're playing in this show and this like super it it really does tell a story. And you want to know what's so funny about those clips? I was actually talking to someone about that the other day. The other day is that they taped that in the middle of tech. Oh my! <laughs> and truly, just we had mics on. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> um, hold on, it's Nick. Nick. <laughs> 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 I'm talking to someone on Zoom, but I was like, Nick is next. I'm baking chicken. Hi. Hi. <laughs> baking chicken? Yeah, I'm trying to. It's a cute Christmas tree. Okay, I need blonde detergent. Okay. Bye. So great. <laughs> <laughs> he's like what is going on <laughs> i heard his door close he's so funny to me um no not the chicken what did i say um it was connected they they taped that while we were literally doing tech do doing tech which is like the most exhausting <laughs> um yeah it was like truly the most exhausting experience. Like I listened to some of that stuff and I'm like, I don't sound like that now. You're like, when was this even taped? Like, was I awake? <laughs> really know that they were taping. So like there were certain moments where they were like, we're gonna tape this B-roll and you're gonna lip sync to yourselves. But then there were moments that were actually taped in the B-roll that like, didn't know that they were actually going to use that, which is like so funny. Oh my! 
So, I mean, they were probably like trying to hide the fact that they were gonna like use that and like record audio and stuff just so it would be like cool. But you wanna know what? Here's the thing. I feel like it's a show that you have to come and experience. Like it's not something that you're gonna look at a clip and be like, oh, I really love this. I really love that. No, you have to come and like see it. It's, a, it's an entire journey that you take. It's an energy that's shared on stage to the with the audience like you have to come and actually see it in its totality in order to understand you know all of these like extrapolated moments that you're like seeing combined into a little clip you know what I mean it's so true because I mean to be completely honest when I listened to the album at first I was like ah, I don't know I don't really get it I saw it during previews on Broadway and I was like oh now I get why people are obsessed with the show 100% because everything comes together on the stage the set everything and I know the set is like a little different on tour you can't take everything from Broadway to the tour but from what I've seen and from what I've heard it's like still tells the story just as wonderfully it does it's very different we have a door versus a descending and ascending middle and we have one rotating thing and it but it really does like make everyone feel so close together which is like nice for like again shared energy and storytelling do you expect oh wait go on sorry like on tour like you know you don't want to be in a house with a, a small set and a huge house like in a huge you know what I mean? Like you want to be able to see your castmates and feel like you're doing the same show, even if the environment's changing. Yes, exactly. And okay, I was gonna ask. Speaking of the set, when the lamps start swinging, do you do you get to like watch that from the side of this, like from backstage? And do you ever just like hold your breath during that part? Honestly. During that moment, I'm usually lying down on a ramp. So you're like, okay, this is my rest time. It's truly the only time. Cause I'm, I only leave a little bit during chant and then I'm on stage until gone, I'm gone. And so wait for me is really the only break I get. Wait for me and how long? Other than that, I'm on stage like pretty much. Time. And you're preparing for a solo and and act two. Yeah. So I'm like filling up my water bottle, going to the bathroom, like I'm doing. And sometimes I do watch. Sometimes I watch Nick from stage left. Like I can see him like turning around with the with the yellow flower. But I have to take my moments to lay down. I do watch sometimes on the screen too, but I'm usually I'm not gonna lie. I'm usually like down on the ramp. The lamps just like, I'm, they're the coolest, but like you hold your breath sometimes watching it because you're like, please don't go one inch to one inch, like to the middle. Cool. Brad King, who just did the lights for Haiti Sound, also did lights for Moby Dick. Oh. Designer for Moby Dick as well. Oh, fun fact. Because, okay, I was looking at the sets and I was like, there's some similarities there. There's a couple similarities. He did the lights for Moby Dick. And I also believe that the set designer for Great Comet did the set for Moby Dick. I'm pretty sure. Cool. I have to, let, let me fact check myself. I wouldn't be surprised because Rachel. Yes. Yeah, same. Yeah, Mimi. Yeah. Yeah, she did set for Moby Dick too. So. Yeah. So Rachel is like, I trust this person. Yeah. yeah. Like if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Yes. So you kind of spoke to this, but how would you convince people to come see Hades Town on tour? Um I think it's where new musicals are headed. 
I feel that if we want to keep seeing new stories, hear new voices, writing, um, composing, that we have to show support for those that are coming around, that are coming out, because money speaks volumes. You know, producers and people that invest are looking towards things that are up and coming and, you know, supporting your local theater, community theaters, regional theaters, college theaters, support the students and the people that are creating and writing, because that's how we get stories like Hadestown, is by showing that those things are marketable, they're profitable, um, they're necessary, they give voice and um, room for different types of voices and actors and you know, we have to show support, not just by like posting and tweeting about it, but we have to go out and, and watch and take it in and be inspired by the types of stories that these these types of productions can bring to different communities. I can't wait to see what comes out of the people who are in the creators who are inspired by Rachel, by the whole creative team of Hamestown. Yeah. Rachel. So David, Rachel Hauk, mm -hmm. just like truly all of them, they're just like approachable people. And there is this destigmatization of commercial theater when you're like working with them. Like it is just proof that you can live in a collaborative, accessible, rehearsal creative space and that's like so important as an artist is that you don't feel like you're in a machine and Hadestown has yet to become a machine it still feels fresh and new and explorational and and it's still asking questions like there are again there are things that I do that Eva does not and I've never been forced to do much that she has done. And then the writing sometimes has like, by not even seeing the show has led me to do some things that she does, you know? And that's how we create artists who, yes, of course, only one person can get the job, but you get to come see, you know, in an audition room, just a very varying approaches to the same material. And I think that that is so exciting. Um, as someone who's just not an actor, but it, a taker in of art as well yeah and you get to be like wow there's so much talent that surrounds us yeah and they're so different yeah everyone brings different different things to the entertainment theater world so what it before i move on from haiti sound what is your favorite song from the show that you get to sing that i get to sing i don't even know uh maybe right now it's wedding song i feel like it changes every week maybe right now it's wedding song because i get to use my hands a lot in wedding song i do a lot of that yeah i'll have to say wedding song it like depends on the mood each week probably oh truly truly yeah so if you could revive any Broadway show and be in it, I know you like original work, but if you could revive any Broadway show and be in it, what would it be? I don't know a lot of Broadway shows, but I would have to say, I think it's time for a 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee revival. Ooh, okay. That I have not heard that one yet, but I, well, I've not heard anyone mention that, that that one should be revived yet, but that's a good one to be revived. That's what I want. I want that one. I'm down, I'm down. What's your dream role that exists on stage? Ugh. Honestly, I don't really truly know if I have one. I'm not really good at, I'm so bad at this question because I don't know a lot of musical theater. Um. And I feel like, I mean, I've done like the Sarah, the Little Shop, like I've done stuff like that. So I don't really know if I have an answer to that question. I feel like anything yeah, that I feels daunting, you know, like would feel daunting because someone profound has already like done it. So I would just have to say like, it would have to be a role that doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I love that. 
I love that. So we're going to be seeing you in like some really amazing original piece of theater. In yes. The yes. It's going to happen. I'm manifesting that right now. How do you work on self-confidence in this industry? Um, I think self-care is important. Like getting massages, go going to sleep, drinking your water, taking care of your body, your brain, all of that stuff. I also think it's important. Like it's upkept also by the company you keep, um, like with your friends, with the people you collaborate outside of trying to like be employed. Like if your only artistic experiences are like auditioning, you're going to feel awful about yourself because that's surrounded with rejection. You have to surround yourself with friends who are writing and people that are just like doing stuff for fun because it builds you up and you don't tie your success to being employed. And you usually find yourself more often employed if you are taking care of yourself and building up your self-esteem in ways that, you know, surround that are not surrounded just by getting a job. Um, I like to watch a lot of TV or shows like I love to watch shows after everyone else has watched them so I get to have my own private experience. But I love taking in stuff that I feel uh, has really great acting, storytelling, um, and just taking in art that's reminds you that the art you wanna do is being made and exists out there. And so you just have to go in and be yourself. True, and not compare to other people on social media and stuff we live in the age of comparison you have to get off the internet i mean like you just have to get no one is showing you their worst day and even if it's their worst day they're yeah. like like you have to get off the internet it's all fake <laughs> i hate to be that person but it's all fake it's all curated and it can truly be the thing that keeps you out of going after what you deserve and get like everyone gets that yes that catapults them into like a new range of opportunities but you're not going to get to your yeses if you're just constantly looking at what other people are doing you have to go after what you think you're right for or what you think you're good at not what this person is good at right 100 percent Speaking of social media, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with you? I don't even know. Listen, I'm literally about to look because I'm so bad. <laughs> Any of my, okay. So my Instagram is Morgan Siobhan G. And then my Twitter, like, seriously, this is so embarrassing. I, <laughs> my I love and it because everyone's so attached to their phone. So I don't. Um, and my Twitter is the same. Okay, perfect. And then you have a you have a website too, and I'll put the website in the lower thirds too. Yeah. So my last question is: Do you have anything that you'd want to promote or talk about, whether it's theater related or not? I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to promote, but regular regular naps. You're like, everyone just take care of themselves. Take care of yourself. Take your vitamins. Drink lots of water. Get off the phone. <laughs> yes. Don't overwork yourself. Don't overwork yourself. Say no. When do you know that it's the time to say no? Do you have, like, those days when you know? Yeah, I'm really good at saying no and like not participating in something that I don't want to do. As far as like auditioning and projects and stuff, I'm still working on that, but I've gotten a lot better at being like, yeah, I'm not, I don't even want to audition for that. I don't even want to be in the position where I audition and I get it or I get a call back or something. And then I'm like, now I have to do it again. Like you're going to keep down that road where it, now it's harder to justify like declining. So just like say no, like if it doesn't move you, if you don't feel motivated to do it, how are you going to do it as a job yes motivation key always yes you have to be excited you have about to be excited. a job 100 yes it well i think that's an important note to end on uh 
Thank you so much for joining me to talk on my interview series. And I'm so excited to see your portrayal of your Odyssey. It makes me so excited that you love acting and that you say you're an actor first, it truly does, because your Odyssey is like a character that I've watched, that I've like seen played on stage. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like I was her for Halloween in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> so she she's like my favorite theater character so i'm so excited to see your portrayal of it thanks for watching this episode of backstage with becca b you can follow me on twitter and instagram at becca b talks tv or for more exclusive content from this interview and more you can follow me on instagram and facebook at backstage with becca b make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video or if you're listening on apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating thanks for tuning in and i'll see you guys next time Bye.